No team goes into the season without a game plan. And Buffalo Wild Wings knows that football fans need a game plan that's built for game day glory. A game plan that should include 21 signature sauces and seasonings, a great lineup of beer taps, and an arsenal of wall-to-wall TVs. All of those details make for a game day plan that can't be beat. So, win or lose, if you're a football fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere around. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. The people have spoken, and Jeff Ross has returned for Roast Battle 2. The four-night event features top comedians getting verbally violent until one is left standing. Featuring a star-studded lineup of judges, including Snoop Dogg, Sarah Silverman, and Jason Sudeikis, this is a battle you do not want to miss. The four-night event begins January 26th at 10, 9 central on Comedy Central. And don't miss the live finale on Sunday, January 29th at 10, 9 central to see who gets crowned the king or queen of cruelty. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. Joining me on the other line, it's Kevin Clark. Kevin, how are you? I'm okay. I could have used some more exciting games. Uh, biggest margin of victory for conference championships since 1978. Could have used a little more drama, but it's football, so it's fine. I agree with you. It was cool to see the Falcons put on that type of show. I was at the game, and it was just enjoyable. The building was having a lot of fun. I think that it was a cool city to be in for a moment like that. So that part of it was enjoyable for me. Outside of that, not much to like. I could have used 44-43 in that spot. Yes, exactly. 44-43 is much better than 44-21. So what are you going to do? All right, man. Just, uh, let's just get right into it. I yeah. Mean, I think that everyone kind of expected that sort of game yesterday from Green Bay and Atlanta. I know the Falcons side of it was what we figured it would be. They threw the ball at will. They did whatever they wanted. And the Packers did not do the same thing on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I, I really couldn't believe that the Packers couldn't at least trade blows for two quarters. You know, and the, the fact that they were shut out for so long, I, I was I was stunned. Um, you know, it almost reminded me, Robert, of like one of these NBA Finals series, e- even like the the Cavs Warriors thing a little bit, where. Um, and obviously the result was different. But Aaron Rodgers, I think, was the best player in the game yesterday. Uh, I don't mean I don't mean playing wise. I mean talent wise. Okay. Yes. But then Atlanta had what numbers two through nine, something like that. I mean, I I, I think that's how I looked at it. And so it was a question of was Rodgers going to be able to overcome the fact that Atlanta had more roster talent? And I I was disappointed to see that 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 it was not able to be the game I thought it was going to be. We'll get to Atlanta's offense in a bit. I mean, I feel like we have to talk about it, just Matt Ryan in general. But the defense is what impressed me the most. And, you know, the the Packers had some receivers out. They lost both guards over the course of the game. Jordy Nelson, by the way, I just want to say real quick, Jordy Nelson playing like that with broken ribs is the most impressive. I was hurt watching it. Yeah, that's just absurd. I, I mean... It's hard enough to play an NFL game while you're 100%, let alone when you need like a military-grade flak jacket to actually step on the field. The man is, he's something else. I mean, he absolutely is. Yeah, no, I, I could, I mean, I think that we don't realize how hard it is to play an NFL game in January regardless. I mean, just yes. even like playing with, uh, you know, a toe injury like Julio Jones is probably pain we could not tolerate, but broken ribs for Christ's sake. Yeah, that's just the fact that he can even play. But Julio playing like that while having a hurt foot is just kind of ridiculous. I mean, he was limping on the sideline, and it just didn't matter. The guy ruined the game. My favorite detail, you were probably there when he said this at the press conference, he didn't know he was going to be effective until pregame warm-ups. 
I mean, imagine, I didn't see him. I was he, he was talking when Ryan was talking. Yeah, so I was in. Imagine, I was in imagine like not going from zero to one hundred like that, being like, I don't know if I'm gonna be effective today. Oh, by the way, I'm gonna have one of the most dominant receiving performances in NFL history. I mean, First like, guy in the history of the playoffs to get 150 yards and two touchdowns in two playoff games. Yeah, well, I mean, wait till Chris Hogan does that again. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah just two weeks until Chris Hogan Chris matches Hogan, that Chris mark. Hogan, the, Chris Hogan and Julio, the big two. All right, we'll get to that in a second. Um, what was uh, what was the most impressive thing you saw from Atlanta yesterday? Is there anything that surprised you? It's not that surprised me. It's just that it was I was impressed by it. The variety of stuff they did on defense. Yeah, I think that from the first play or first drive, really, they announced what they were going to do. And there was that Deion Jones blitz on third down where Rodgers actually made a great play to get rid of it and not get sacked, keep him in field goal range. Mason Crosby misses the field goal anyway. But you saw that all over the place yesterday. Jones had that blitz. They brought Brian Poole for, with a zone blitz a couple, or excuse me, a slot blitz a couple times that actually worked for Dallas last week. So it's just a good bit of recognition and implementation from Atlanta. And I just think that they had a set game plan. The Giants and the Cowboys both we're much more content to hang back, kind of keep try to keep Rodgers in the pocket, not let him escape and make plays. The Falcons dictated to him. They said, we're going to get to you in a hurry every single time. We don't mind blitzing. We're going to make you make quick decisions. And it just wasn't there for him. The Packers got very unlucky. I think we need to, to detail totally. that. I mean, Missed a field goal, yeah, fumble mi- on the one. Exactly. And, and also, by the way, that, that Jalen Collins thing, that could have been a, a down at the one thing. I think they scored a yep. touchdown after that. And so I, I, they there were some bad breaks their way, but I think I sort of agree with the, the hot take artists, which is that when it's, when it's a blowout like that, you can't really pinpoint luck. But, I mean, I think they did get some bad breaks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got some bad breaks, and they were the inferior team on a lot of levels. I mean, you look at what those young defenders for the Falcons are doing. I asked Keanu Neal yesterday. I said, when do you think you guys really understood it? Like, when you when, when did you get it? When did you feel that this was kind of coalescing? And he said, the bye week. Well, we just understood the defense, and we got it was allowed us to be a little bit more creative because we got the bones of it down. If you look at how many young guys are on that team, yep. it's ridiculous. Yep. I mean, every single dude that contributes on that defense, more or less, is in their first or second year outside of super old dudes and Jonathan Babineau and Dwight Freeney. Right. I mean, it's kind of a weird contrast, but it's a contrast that works. You can see why it makes sense. It's like, all right, we have a bunch of guys that are just totally moldable, and we have two guys that are going to do the molding. And it's happened for them. I, what a return to glory for Belichick's uh, executive tree. Man, I mean, it's a hell of a year by Thomas Dimitrov. I mean, if you look at what they did over the last year, or even like let's let's expand it, let's say year and a half, hiring Kyle Shanahan first of all, yep, like that's not a guarantee. Cleveland and letting he, him walk, by the way. Cleveland let him walk, and that is just fascinating. I mean, the fact that Kyle Shanahan did not get fired, he just is the best offensive coordinator in the league, and he just walked to Atlanta About because the Browns ni- didn't want him. Ninety percent of contributors to the Super Bowl were at one point just let go by Cleveland. Just yep. go ahead, go yeah, ahead. That's so true. You guys, and leave. then. So, I mean, it starts with Shanahan and just, I mean, the hiring of Dan Quinn, too. I mean, just the coaching staff and the way they've built it. Yeah. And then you look at the way they've drafted. It's been kind of ridiculous. Yep. I mean, Tevin Coleman has given them stuff. Even like Devondre Campbell, Deion Jones, Keanu O'Neal. They've hit on so many of these picks. And then Vic Beasley turning into what he has. The way they spent their money in free agency. Alex Mack, Taylor Gabriel, Muhammad Sanu had a really nice game yesterday. Austin Hooper is another rookie, rookie starting for them. Yep. He has thrown a no-hitter 
in the last year and a half, and it's gotten them to the Super Bowl. I have a question, and I don't mean to, to slight the Falcons in any way. I know you're a huge fan of the way the Falcons play. Did you want the, from a story perspective, is the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl your favorite sort of storyline Super Bowl? If you had your druthers, would you would you pick the Falcons and the Patriots to play, or would you want the Packers and the Patriots to play? That's a really good question. I, I loved the trajectory of Rodgers. I feel like I wrote that yeah. after the, the Cowboy game. I kind of said that if he does this, this will be his final flourish. This will be his masterpiece that puts him on the Mount Rushmore of all quarterbacks of all time. But I also find it pretty intriguing that Matt Ryan is the guy they tried to run out of Atlanta last yep. year. I mean, the fan base, not the organization. But I, I feel like people were down on Matt Ryan to the point where they thought, really, is Matt Ryan a guy that can take us there? And knowing that that was the tenor of the city a year ago, and then being on the field yesterday as he was like waving his arms and, and doing like the, yeah, let me hear it thing with his fingers as they were chanting MVP, that was pretty fucking cool. Like to see a guy get that moment that he has more than deserved this year, I'm not totally upset about that narrative being my reality. Well, I think we couldn't lose as long as it was the Patriots because it's Belichick game planning against something historic. Either it's totally. the this incredible wide open Falcons team with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I mean, I can't I can't wait to see what Belichick does against Julio Jones. I cannot wait to see that. Okay. But se- the, the, you know, the other part is, I really would have liked to see Aaron Rodgers against Belichick. I really would have yeah. liked to see Aaron Rodgers against the number one scoring defense. Belichick with two weeks to prepare. That would have been so damn fun, dude. It really oh. would have been. I, I totally agree. And I, I, I think you're right. There was a no lose. And from a schematic perspective, I think the Falcons against the Patriots are even more interesting just from a, every level and yeah. every layer of it. But just Rodgers against Belichick is cool. But another thing I thought was kind of funny, I mean... We've said that this Falcons team is like the greatest show on turf now. You know, this is, that's our modern day version of it. And I wrote today, they're one of the greatest offenses of all time. You can't take that away from them anymore. And the first time Belichick won a Super Bowl, it was beating the greatest show on turf. Yeah. Like, and, it's, just, know, it's kind and, of awesome. And it's interesting. Marshall Falk was, was, was the, the focal point of the game plan there. And, and they were basically just going to hit him on every play. I mean, it, it's been told a million times now, but they basically uh, knocked the crap out of him on every play, and, and, and the Rams didn't adjust. My curiosity is going to be what happens if they're able to... I mean, th- look, the game has changed. They're not going to be able to just knock the crap out of Julio Jones in every play. This is not 2001 anymore, okay? Um, my curiosity is what the... Fa- if, if there's a, a sort of weird mind trick thing where the Falcons are going to assume that Julio will, will be taken out of the game or they're going to double cover him on every play or if they're just going to force it and say Julio is impervious to, to double coverage. I, I, I think that it is going to be a very interesting matchup to see what they think about how Belichick is going to approach the Falcons offense. I totally agree, but I also think that one of the reasons, the reason that these Falcons are so dangerous is because if you take away Julio Jones, yeah. cool. I mean, good luck. Because the, if you look at the way that Ryan distributed his throws yesterday and over the course of the season, it's to a degree we've never seen. He completed touchdown passes to 13 guys. Yep. Are there even 13 eligible receivers on your roster? That, that, that is just a mind-boggling stat to me. And yesterday, he targeted nine different dudes in the first half. And it wasn't as if it was Julio ten times, everybody else won. I mean, he throws it around to whoever's open, and they just do an excellent job of finding ways to get guys open. The fact that Pat DeMarco is running 30 yards down the sideline in the first drive, if you're a Packer fan, you just have to be like, what the fuck? Like, that's what we're going to have to deal with all day? Is fullbacks leaking out in the flat for 30-yard gains? That's what makes the Falcons so scary. What was with the Packers' defense? I mean, what was that? It, it was know, just a man. total lack of speed, first of all. 
I mean, I don't know what they do. You know, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw the comment after the game. Aaron Rodgers said the lesson from this year is they need to be all in every year. And I think a lot of people on social media, at least, took that as as sort of a, a nudge to Ted Thompson that we need to go out and, and get more. You know, they went out and got Jared Cook last year and it worked out, right? Um, and so I think that was a sort of a signal to Ted that they need to, to start signing guys or try to win now, you know, maybe swerve a, a little bit away from the draft and develop philosophy. But I just, I think that defense needs more speed, man. I think they need more speed. That's 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 the lesson of yesterday. But also, on the other hand, as you just said, Patrick DeMarco going 30 yards up the field is not an issue of speed. It's an issue of coverage and scheme and awareness. The Falcons offense is just so beautifully designed. I broke down a couple of the plays in my thing that I wrote today. There was one completion of Julio over the middle. It was play action. I can't remember exactly when in the game it was. I broke it down. Just the way they do it. And it was Julio on the left side and Mohamed Sanu in the right slot. And DeMarco was the fullback in the I formation. DeMarco runs a little out route from the backfield to hold Clinton Dix there from, as a box safety. Julio curls around in front of Gunter, who does not have safety help anymore because Sanu is running a seam that's holding Morgan Burnett on the other side of the field. And it's play action, so every single linebacker takes two steps up. It's perfect. It's literally unguardable if you don't get there. And the Falcons offensive line has been so good that people often don't. It's just I don't know what you do against that. Uh, one way to neutralize it is for the offensive coordinator to get a job with the 49ers. I, I'm, yeah, I, it's me and Danny <laughs> That's about one this on way. Friday. That's one way for the league to, to get rid of this whole thing is, by the way, you have Colin Kaepernick now. Have you thought about, or have you kind of thought about who else this has happened to? Like, what shooting star offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator have we had that two years created a world-altering, historically great unit, and then it was just over? When's the last time this has happened? Um, you know, Josh McDaniels went to Denver. That's different, though, just because the Patriots are such a no, I know franchise-wide deal, and Belichick coaches the offense as much as Josh McDaniels does. Um, I I think on the other side, I mean, I think that Buddy Ryan leaving kind of ended the Bears. I that's the first one I thought of. Yeah, I mean that was that was where it was. I think everyone knew that that he was the heart and soul of that defense. That's why didn't they lift him up on the shoulders after the the Super Bowl? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's your sign. Are they going to do that in Atlanta if they win? The, they're going to put Kyle Shanahan on their shoulders. Be pretty great. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind it at all. Is there anything else you want to hit on from this? I mean, it just feels like you know, those were most <laughs> of the points. Atlanta's offense is really good. Their defense is coming and. You know, yeah, it's it's cool to see Matt Ryan do this. Disappointed in Green Bay. I, I just, you know, I, I thought the most fascinating thing I saw a tweet this morning that both Pete Carroll and Mike McCarthy, the the two coaches who have lost to the Falcons, in their opening comments, both referred to the Falcons as a buzzsaw. Like that's that's the actual word, and and, and so yeah. they literally use that word. And so I think that the NFC just saw this as like, okay, everyone is a, everyone is playing for second place in the NFC because the Falcons are just unstoppable. And, and it's it's what we talked about all year. They had enough on defense. You don't need. This was a year of imperfection. You didn't need two great units. If you had, if there was a team with two great units, they would win the Super Bowl going away, right? But and especially in the NFC, they would have won, they would have won handily. But the Falcons had just enough on defense. We knew the spine of the defense was going to be good. We knew those young guys were, were going to be fast enough and good enough. Um, the rebuilding project has been incredible. Uh, the retooling project, because they did keep their core um, from Dimitrov. I, I just I love what the Falcons have done. I'm, I'm fired up for the next two weeks. They, they kept their core, but really the core is just Julio and Matt Ryan. Yeah. 
I mean, outside of that, they've retooled most of the roster. Ryan Schrader's a guy who came along in a good way for them, a younger player that got an extension that turned to a really good left right tackle. Outside of that, though, Jake Matthews is a recent draft pick. Alex Max a free agent signing. Yeah. They got Andy Levitre off the street. I mean, it's been a lot of turnover from the four years ago when they went to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, Desmond Trufant, unfortunately, has missed what the I mean, he's on IR, but he's I think he missed half the season. Um, he's he's another I think guy. The last Green Bay game was his game, his last game. Yeah, and so he, yeah, he's been on IR for a couple months now. I mean, so he's another member of the core. But I think you know, I think the one thing you have to realize is the Julio and Matt Ryan is is a pretty substantial. Core, you know, I mean, I, yes. it, it's that if every other team kept their quarterback and their star wide receiver, it would not be considered a rebuilding project. So, I, that's a good I, point. I think no, re, it's a good point. Re, it's not a teardown. You're yeah, just trying it's to not retool. a teardown. You're just taking Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, saying, "What are we going to do around it?" I also think, you know, I say this all the time, going back even to the to the draft pods we did. The the rebuilding project is two years. That's it in the NFL, and, and it's going to take you two years. And if you haven't done it by two years, maybe two and a half years, then you're not going to get there because I think these long term rebuilding projects in the NFL just do not work. There's too many variables. There's too many injuries. I think they did it really well, targeting a two year cycle and getting out and getting to the Super Bowl. I thought it was great. I totally agree. And Kyle Shanahan told me last week. He said we were closer than other people thought we were on offense. We knew that this was a tweak and a little hop, skip, and a jump away from where we were a season ago. It wasn't this massive leap that we had to make. They lost to Jim Tom Sula last year. I mean, that's fair, but I, I there are moments. I remember that Houston game where they just burned down the yeah. Texans. Yeah, it's like this. These guys, I like this. I like what they have here. I like the bones of it, and it, it they proved me right. And it's just little stuff, and it's kind of. The offensive coordinator quarterback relationship in general fascinates me. And just Matt Ryan told me in November, he said it was as much about changing what didn't work as figuring out what did work. Sure. Little tiny things like Matt was never comfortable playing with his back to the defense because in Dirk Cutter's offense, there was a lot of shotgun play action and just facing and taking in everything, even when you were using fakes. He had to change that a little bit with Matt, with Kyle. But then there were also moments where like, well, why don't we do it the old way? Why don't you do it the way I'm more comfortable? So it's just this give and take that allows you to really build on a foundation of what you believe in, what you think you're good at, and what you think you have to change. And they just, they hit a home run with it. They did it in every way that they needed to. Yep. Again, I, I, I'm all in on this Falcons team. I just, me too. I could have used a little more drama yesterday. I agree. And, and then let's get to the lack of drama on the other side. Oof. But before we do, let's hear from one of our sponsors. No team goes into the season without a game plan. If they did, game day highlights would be nothing more than a football follies compilation. And while follies are hilarious, Buffalo Wild Wings knows fans prefer the taste of glory on game day. The kind of glory that comes with having 21 signature sauces and seasonings to choose from. Or a great lineup of cold and refreshing beers on tap. Or a collection of wall-to-wall flat screens so big it would make your head spin. We cover all of those details, so they add up to the kind of game day experience fans can appreciate. And we do it because we appreciate fans. So, win or lose, if you're a fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere there is. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. All right, bud. Uh, let's get to this. I did not watch the first half until this morning because I was doing Atlanta-y things. I, I mean, when Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, it's kind of over in my mind. Hey, do you, I know, who know, else, do you know who else wasn't watching the first half? <laughs> Mike, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin <laughs> was not watching the first half. He also, I don't know, I, I do not know if Mike Tomlin has seen the Patriots play ever. I mean, I just, I, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, soft zone coverage against Tom Brady. Um, leaving 
Chris Hogan open. Um, Chris Hogan, whose entire job is to to poke holes in nickel defenses. Um, I was. Uh, it was not great. It was not great, Robert. I was. I wrote about this today. Like what my favorite version of Tom Brady is, and there are moments against the against the Texans. I've thought of a couple where he'll hit Edelman on those just perfect timing routes that are designed to beat man coverage. But watching Brady sit back there and just pick you apart surgically when you play zone like that, I think that's my favorite version of Tom Brady. Yeah, but you need the other team to be a willing party. It's like they were the Wash- the Steelers of the Washington Generals yesterday, letting Tom Brady yeah. take out a ladder in a confetti bucket. I mean, it, it was just it, I, I just don't understand why why they did that. I mean, I, it was it was bizarre. Um, you know, I, I saw a nugget that that Ross Tucker um, on the radio broadcast uh, interviewed Mike Tomlin at halftime, and basically Tomlin admitted that the young secondary had no idea what was going on, that they were um, bedazzled. I think was his word, um, befuddled. Uh, it was just that the Patriots knew they had a young secondary, so just throw five receivers at them all the time, um, go empty, go go Hogan up the seam. Um, you know, I, I wrote a story last week about how uh, football has really become basketball in the sense that it's really five on five or five on six now in the secondary there, there's more um five defensive back looks and more five receiver looks than than ever in the history of the nfl and that's a substantial jump we, i think we think the last six or seven years has been um you know a ton of receivers ton of defensive backs in the field um you know the base is basically nickel at this point as everyone says but the jump has been massive even from 2015 to 2016 as far as how many receivers are, are getting on the field at a time okay chris hogan is one of the best receivers at that in the entire NFL. There were so many times, I spoke to Trent Dilfer for the story, there were so many times where Chris Hogan was supposed to be a decoy for another player, and the, se- and the secondaries were just so befuddled by everything that they let Chris Hogan go go open up the seams. It happened against the Ravens, happened a handful of times this year, and that's exactly what happened with the Steelers. They had no, it's like they didn't know that the Steelers were, or that the Patriots were going to have four or five receivers out there. I could not believe how unprepared they were. You have to understand your quarterback, and I think the most impressive part, if you look at what Chris Hogan's done all year and last season, it reminds me of what Jordy Nelson does with Rodgers, but Jordy Nelson's been playing with Rodgers for a decade. The fact that Chris Hogan is able to understand Brady as well as he has this quickly, I kind of find fascinating. And and you're totally right. It's just this idea of with five or six defensive backs on the field being the standard, depth at those positions has mattered even more and understanding space has mattered even more. And I think about the Falcons again, them losing Trufant and having to play undrafted Brian Poole at their slot corner and him being good, you need those breaks to go to the Super Bowl. That's the type of stuff you need to go your way. And the Patriots do that as well as anybody. Trading yeah. nothing for Kyle Van Noy. Getting Allen Branch off the scrap heap. Going to get Chris Hogan, who, again, he had his best seat game ever against Belichick the year before they signed him last year. Of course Belichick's going to get that guy. Belichick loves the people that crush him. I thought, it was, just, I thought it was interesting. I saw a nugget today that, that Kyle Van Noy and, um, and Shea McCullen both had more snaps than Dante Hightower. It's crazy. I mean, I, th- I think there were some rumors that maybe Hightower was a little bit uh, gimpy, but I, still, that's a to, to have that sort of contribution from two guys as far as snap counts that you got off the scrap heap is really incredible. I thought Alan Branch was awesome yesterday. Even before Le'Veon Bell got hurt, what he was doing to Pouncey, he was matching the patience. Well, he was matching Le'Veon Bell's patience with his own. He was bringing it but not being passive. He was controlling Pouncey and waiting to see what was going to happen. And I just thought that was really, really smart. Belichick said it before the week, or before the game. He said it last week. 
we're not going to be over aggressive. We're going to make sure we maintain our gap discipline. And I thought he might have been trying to zig and where people thought he might zag, just some misdirection. They didn't. That's exactly how they played it, and they played it to perfection. Steelers offense. I mean, I look. I know that Bell was out and all that, but I mean, really, I I, I just thought that that Antonio Brown's be a little better. Can we get more weapons on the receiving core? What? what why has there not been a jump for Sammy Coates? Why has there not been a jump for Eli Rogers? Why hasn't Darius Hayward Bay been able to to catch more touchdowns? I mean, you have the easiest job in the world, guys. Like you have single coverage on every play because they're the safety's always crashing down and they're go you know they're putting Malcolm Butler on Antonio Brown. Sammy Coates, make a play, please. I said this before the game. I was actually talking to somebody on the train on the way to the Georgia Dome. We're talking about just, the Steelers game. You just approach somebody and just talk about Eli Rogers. No, he just, he he asked me a question. Yeah, we're we're just kidding. sitting there, I, and and I said this is the game where Martavis Bryant not being there is going to matter. This is the game where they're going to miss him the most because they're going to bracket Brown in every way possible. Yep. They're going to take away Bell as much as they can. They're going to say, "We dare you to beat us over the top," and they couldn't do it without Martavis Bryant, with Sammy Coates being a shell of the guy he was in week two or three, they just couldn't make that happen. Yep. Or, or even even if Marcus Wheaton were healthy, it's a little different. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, the jump over, that, that says a lot about those other guys. Effective. Man, if Marcus Wheaton was healthy. Well, he's somebody. He's somebody. You know? I mean, and that's the thing. Is that, uh, How much different is this season if Martavis Bryant plays for the Steelers? I think, it's, I think it's a lot different, but I also feel like Roethlisberger was bad for a stretch. So I'm not sure how much a difference Martavis Bryant would have made when Roethlisberger wasn't playing very well. I thought Roethlisberger was actually pretty dang good last night. He was putting the ball where he wanted to on most of these throws. There were just tons of drops, guys not getting open. It was really difficult for him to take advantage and really get the most out of that version of himself because he wasn't getting any help. Where 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 are you putting this Patriots team as far as Patriots Super Bowl teams? Are, are they on the really high end? Question. Are they in the low end? Number one in scoring defense, which tells me a lot. But they, on the other hand, they traded Chandler Jones and and Jamie Collins, obviously. So I mean, I I think it's a it's a great Belichick year. I don't know if it's a great Patriots year. I think their secondary is excellent. Yep. And I feel like that's a big part of it. Logan Ryan's played really well down the stretch. I mean, he he's had some bumps in the road, but I feel like during the playoffs, especially, he's been really good. And when you take that with McCordy and Butler. You're going to be able to do a lot of stuff. And they have a lot of flexibility back there. They'll play Deron Harmon as another safety, move McCourty to corner. They'll move Chung down. I just think they have a lot of flexibility and talent on the back end. And in their front seven, they're just extremely well coached. I mean, they're just so disciplined. They're never in the wrong spot. And I think that's a huge deal. And I give a lot of credit to Matt Patricia for that, honestly. Because there have been Belichick teams where they haven't looked like this on that side of the ball. And under Matt Patricia, they have. They've done a very good job this year. Let me ask you a question. Maybe, maybe I don't understand this because I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm just missing something. There was a slot receiver who played lacrosse, who was available for cheap, who would be great in the Patriots' offense, and 31 other GMs let the Patriots have him on a good contract. At this point, I think the other 31 GMs maybe are just huge Patriots fans. <laughs> That's my only theory on this. How do you let Chris Hogan become a Patriot? This was like written in the stars that he would become a Patriot and that he would have a huge game in the AFC Championship game. I've never seen anything more obvious. It's so true. You, you knew they wanted him to. And that's the thing about this Patriots team that I find impressive outside of the defense is that without Gronk, 
they've been able to maintain because it's kind of similar to the Falcons, honestly. They just have so many avenues. And I think there's a lot of reasons that's been possible. One, their offensive line is healthy this year fully. They haven't lost anybody, and they're playing extremely well. The jumps that guys like Marcus Cannon and Shaq Mason have made under Dante Skarnacki coming back has made a huge difference. The fact that they have such a varied running back collection, the fact that all those guys in the second the receiving core, your Hogan's and your Edelman's, can make a play. Bennett is just a factor. I know he hasn't been awesome, but he's there and able to make things happen for you. And just the amount of options they have in that area, it makes them really scary. Who's the second best player right now in the Patriots offense? I would say, I would probably say Nate Solder, honestly. Mm. I was between that or Edelman for me. And Edelman's playing extremely well, too. That's a difference. And he, there were points in the season where I think he was a little banged up. There wasn't the same explosion that you're used to seeing from Julian Edelman. I've seen that over the last two weeks. I think he's played extremely well, and that's made a huge difference for them. He showed oh. up in a big way against Houston. Oh, by the way, uh, maybe the Steelers shouldn't have put Lawrence Timmons on Julian Edelman for a bunch of plays. Yeah, that's not a, that's not, that's not a really good choice. That's well, I don't want to talk about this. Because we're purposely not previewing the Super Bowl because we're going to do a bunch of that over the next two weeks. But the speed that they have at linebacker against this group of Patriots with the pass catcher running backs with Edelman, I'm really excited to watch it. We'll talk more about that later, but I, just, I had to mention that while it was in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to preview all of this, but it's th- these teams are matching up extremely well. I'll say that. I mean, it's not a surprise. Like the two best teams do similar things well. You know, that's that's how they've gotten to this point. Yeah, but I mean, I just number one scoring defense against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I I don't think you can get a better matchup just position unit wise than that. What would you say is the scariest offense you've ever seen? Oh, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think the 07 Patriots. They're number one for me. Uh, they're number one by a pretty wide margin. I know the 2013 Broncos broke every record imaginable. The 2007 Patriots did it in a way that was so casual, it should just scare the shit out of you. And that was the difference in my mind. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, the, I, I think that the... I think that the the 07 Patriots were also a cultural phenomenon and that shades it. Yeah. And you know and it was just 100%. like Yeah, and it was like the the Spygate stuff and the Randy Moss stuff. And it was also just like um I was in college as a dumb NFL reporter as as opposed to a, you know, out of college dumb NFL reporter now. And I was at that game that, where, where the Patriots played the Dolphins. And you I'll know I'll never forget that game. I to see that in real time, to see the ball go as high as it did, come down Randy Moss split two Dolphins defenders, one of whom tore their ACL. There was another ACL injury that was forced by Moss. That was two. Basically, the the Randy Moss tore more Dolphins ACLs that year than the Dolphins had wins that year. Was that Todd Johnson? No, uh, I think Cameron Worrell was one of them. Oh, Cameron Worrell. It yeah. was there was some white former Bears safety. Oh no, no, I believe no, no, no. That was that the, the one you're talking about is Cameron Worrell. There was another player. Will Allen was in on the coverage, but he did not tear his ACL. I want to say I forget who the other person was um, who, who who had an ACL injury that game that was Moss enforced. He had two touchdowns that game though, yeah. right? One yes. was he jumped over a safety yes. to catch it. Yes. The other one when he was between the two guys, he literally caught it with one hand on his hip. Yes, and then he did a party in the Red Sea celebration. Yes, which yes. is just, uh, yeah. Okay, I can then, talk about that team all but then, day. <laughs> then, then the other part of it was, you know, the other touchdown that sticks out in my mind was um, against the Giants where they ran the bomb to Moss and he dropped it and then they just ran the exact same play. 
Like, yeah. I don't even know if it was impressive. Like, I don't know, because what the Falcons are doing is impressive. What the Patriots did in 07 was just badass. That's what it was. It was just like, yeah. it was it was on another level. And so I don't know if I could be as scared of of the Falcons as I, as I was of, of that 07 Patriots team. I, I tend to agree. And the, what I would say about this Falcons team is just that they don't have that put the fear of God in you elements. But if you look at what they have done, uh, we, I really think we have to talk about them with the best units we've seen. I agree. I mean, you, the, the slate of defenses, the toughest defensive schedule in the league, and they scored less than 28 points three times. That's Agreed. it. And one was to Seattle on the road before Earl Thomas got hurt. I mean, they scored 46 times. Yeah. That's bonkers, man. Like, that is just crazy. And they did it so easily for the most part. They had that one stinker against Philly. And other than that, they had at least a moment or two in every single game, and that includes games against really good defenses. I would say the biggest difference between those teams and the greatest show on turf and and also the 07 Patriots is that, and, you know, and the early 90s Cowboys were like this too, I would be shocked if the, when, when, when those teams would lose. And, and I don't necessarily, if, if the... If the Falcons go out and score 20 points in the Super Bowl, I would be surprised and lose. I would be surprised, but I would not, my jaw would not hit the floor like it would for those other teams. Is that only because they're playing Belichick, though? If they were playing any other team, would your jaw hit the floor if they scored no, points? No, I just, I just feel like I, I've seen them be vulnerable this year. I've seen them lose games. You know, there, there was that, there was that period during the year where I thought that, you know, we were talking about it that maybe the Falcons were starting to nosedive a little bit. I mean, I think the other teams were just cons- so consistently unbelievable. Now the Falcons are hitting their stride at the right time, and obviously they had. I, did, where did they finish on the total points list this year? Seventh. Seventh. They're 33.8. Yeah. They're right ahead of the 2000 Rams. It just wasn't the same sort of fever pitch the entire year for me to the point that I think they, they I still feel like they could have a game where Matt Ryan gets three interceptions and then they lose. That's probably fair. I just don't think the Patriots are built the way I, I don't, let's not do this, but I'm just saying I don't think the Patriots are the team that can do that from a talent versus talent perspective, but we'll get into that a lot over the next two weeks. All right, buddy. I think that's all we got. I got to get on a plane. I'm coming to Los Angeles to see you guys making content about making content, Robert. We are doing a Talking Football Live on Tuesday morning. We're also doing a ton more video stuff regarding the Super Bowl, the season that it's been. So please be on the lookout for that. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Robert Mays. Kevin's at by Kevin Clark. We'll hit you guys with the details and update you when it becomes relevant. And uh, as always, we really appreciate you guys listening. Sorry the games weren't better, but I have a feeling the Super Bowl is going to make it up to us. I had the same feeling. Later, guys. 